evening and welcome to Football Bloody Hell. And on the show tonight, we've got Mr. Paul Thorpe, Ricky Hyatt, and myself, Eddie Hopper. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Football. Bloody hell. Although, in all honesty, I could just about say, Internet, bloody hell. There are times when technology does get the better of you, and I could put a hammer through it at times, like this afternoon. <laughs> but there we go, never mind. Um, only three of us tonight, because we thought last week it worked very well with, with less people, because we weren't all trying to speak at the same time. So, hello, Rick. Better than you, by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you don't die on us. It's the stress of internet. And uh, oh. Thorpey's here as well. Hello, Paul. Good evening, everyone. So, what a weekend of football we've had. Um, I suppose you want. I suppose you want to start on Friday night. So, well, I'd just like to say, what a fantastic weekend of football! And so, just to let us say that if if it wasn't already notified that the is the best cup competition in the world i think this weekend absolutely proves that factor with and i know you you two are on the other end of it but what a fantastic competition it is yeah can't disagree with that um and we were on the wrong end of it because quite honestly we should have been four nil up at half time but um that's the way it goes. But that, that's about taking. That is about taking your chances, isn't it? And if you don't yeah. take your chances, you know. And I think every everyone that went out, you know, we can talk about uh, missed chances, and you know, we can talk about you know uh, Senegal beating Egypt, and you know, it was really down to the penalty taking of uh, Mane. The excitement of that was the fact that he missed one, and then with an amazing save, and then and then he scores the winner, and Salah doesn't even get a chance to take one, but. You know, I just think that it's about taking chances. If you don't take your chances, you don't win games. And um, we can all go about, you know, we missed, we hit the crossbar, we did that. Well, you don't get anything for a new. Mm. And um, you've got to put it in the back of the net. No, that's right. It's like playing darts, isn't it? If you don't get the double, you don't get anything. And, you know, it's... it's... But, I mean, having said that, United were, especially in the first half, I mean, they were, I thought they were playing really well. And you know they cre- and you just sort of thought, well, just hang on in there, it'll, it'll come, it'll come, but it never did, it never did. Oh. Uh, and you know, to be fair, I mean, eight seven the penalty scores. Well, you know that's two subs fourteen fifteen. Only one out of one out of fifteen penalties was bad, 
That's, that's not bad, is it? I've I, I got to say, they were some of the best penalties I think I've seen as well. Mm. Uh, absolutely incredible penalties. And um, yeah, uh, there was no way Ronaldo was going to miss the second one, even though no. he missed the, the first one. I thought thought the actual the keeper got into his head a little bit, which was really, really surprised me, actually. And um, because he's normally so strong in those situations. And uh, Sent in the wrong way, but missed the target. Mm. You know, missed it by a bloody mile, as far as I'm concerned, as well. Well, a mile's as good as an inch in a situation like that, isn't it? That's the point. Well, absolutely. You know, he's, he's gone for the side netting, and uh, and it's gone outside the far post. And uh, you know, the keeper's movements and out on the line just uh, seemed to do the trick, really. And uh, but it made it made for an exciting start of the weekend, and um, and it just got better, I think. Um, the longer it went on, I thought the games were really, really good. They're exciting, and um, and I thought that the you know the, the supporters, whether you're watching it or, or or being there, got real good value for money. Yeah, Rick, what did you think of um, Friday night? Well, Thorpe is right about one thing. The weekend did certainly get better and better because it got off to a pretty poor start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, it didn't. Yes, it did. <laughs> Football was the loser. I think you'll find. As, yeah, United got no one to blame but themselves for losing that against what was a bog-standard uh, championship middle-of-the-table side. But Chris Wilder must... In fact, if United are looking at appointing a new manager, they could do worse than Chris Wilder because he got a penalty that wasn't at Old Trafford, got a win in the Cup, and then beat United last season with uh, Sheffield United with being given a goal that wasn't a goal. And... United having a goal disallowed that shouldn't have been disallowed. So Chris Wilder must love it at Old Trafford. It's got to be his home from home. Yeah. Oh dear. It's a bit, he's a bit interesting about the penalties, isn't it? That um, like if anyone was going to win a major championship on uh, a penalty, it was bound to be a Liverpool player. Yeah. The amount of practice they get is quite remarkable. Mm. <laughs> Keep going. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. <laughs> trying to like justify being not no, trying to justify anything at all. Middlesbrough fully deserved their result. You get what Let you me deserve. just say, let me just say to the listeners, it all started on Friday night. The, the moon was shining, the stars were out. You know, everybody was singing we were gonna to go to Wembley up there in, in the Manchester, and it just fell apart from there. It's just no better sight for a Liverpool fan than the sea. You two squirming away trying to justify, you know, every angle you can. Not, trying. not justifying it at all, Paul. Did I, <laughs> did I or did I not just say Middlesbrough deserved the victory? Well, I'll put it this way. United didn't deserve to win. I mean, the fact... And what makes it worse, I wouldn't have minded so much if there wasn't the fact that there was that god-awful handball decision. And yeah. it's like, it doesn't hinge on that. But, I mean, that was wrong. That doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. Like the 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 they have made FIFA have made the handball uh, scenarios. Whether it's if if it hits the defender's uh, arm, it's a penalty, whether yep. you like it or not. You know, whether he's looking away from it, uh, it is it, a penalty. But now, but with, with that one, if he gained an advantage, didn't he? He gained an advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever the technicalities of it are, he gained an advantage. So therefore. Yeah. Whether it's accidental or intentional, 
it should be. I have, I, have to, I have to agree, all right? But the law now states that if it doesn't go directly into the goal and it's not then deemed intentional, the mm. fact that he then passes the ball means that the goal stands. And, I, and, I, and I've got to say, it, it, they, this, the rules of the game have, have been changed around. I've taken far too many goals out of our beautiful game. You know, and I think the league tables and, and FA Cups and, that and all the cup games would be totally different if 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 the rules would be back to back to the norm, if you, if you like to say. You know, as we, as regards to the offsides and uh, you know putting that line down there, yeah. And I think that the the game has suffered for it personally. Um, and I got admit, I was one of the people that actually said that, you know that, that that we need to get it because too much money in football. We need to get the decisions right. But as per normal, football has screwed it up again. The thing is, the technology's there, but the, the laws of football weren't written with technology in mind, were they? So what's happened now is you can scrutinise these things that weren't scrutinised before, but they were, um, they were just part of the flow of the game in the past. Whereas now, because everything can be chopped up, the laws need reassessing with a view to VAR being, being implemented to, to them. But do you remember not that yeah. long ago, there was a rule in, in offside that the benefit of the doubt to be given to the attacking player. Now, what happened Attacking. to that? Yeah. What happened to that? Because that made sense. And you wouldn't you wouldn't get this yeah. th this question of, oh, he's got a, you know, a couple of strands of hair over the line, therefore the goal's disallowed. That, was, that made sense to me, but now they've ruined it now. Completely ruined it. The but other thing... Sorry, I can say again, it, it's the actual in you know, VAR and all that, and all these decisions are only as good as the people who are actually using it. And actually, it's been shown time and time again the incompetence of of those people who are actually running it and using it. My mm -hmm. you know, So it is. It, it's very very simple. If we got to wait five five minutes to make a decision, it's got to go in favour of the uh, of the actual like uh, striker. You know, well, if you're looking at it that tight. If it is that tight, give the advantage to the striker. Yeah. And then we would have probably had another 20-odd goals going in there, a lot more excitement. And those games, uh, it's game-changing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, without VAR dominating everything as per usual, the, the question that always occurs to me is they stay there and they, they draw these lines and they're, they're very thin lines or thicker lines. Yeah. And that was yeah. the a thicker line. But has anybody looked at the other end of the passing thing? When when do the lines get implemented? When the forward pass is made, when it's completed, what what time period there? Because the ball is actually in contact with the foot for quite a yeah. A little while. I, I, I believe it is now when there is contact with the ball because obviously there's right. a compression of yeah. the ball and then it, the time of it coming off the foot as well. So I yeah. believe it's when the actual contact of the ball is made. I'm, I'm led to believe. I, I still think we should we should mic them up like they do in the sports where it works, because then yeah. even if you don't if you, even if you don't agree with the decision, at least you can understand how they got to it. Yeah, and it's yeah. Well, I, think, uh, I think I think I think the leaders of it are you know are the rugby. Yeah, fantastic. You know, uh, I, th I think uh, uh, what other sports do they do it in? Well, cricket it works. There's a cricket it works. It. And it works, works tremendously well in cricket also, as well. So with that, with that, there's a thing that again, it's it's amazing that um, you go to Old Trafford 
ultra that has no screen. So if you're going to use VAR, part of it, part of the experience where it does work in rugby and in cricket is that you see the process being played out on a big screen. Yeah. A club yeah, like United yeah, yeah. don't even have one. How's that, how is that going to work Work there? It's amazing. It's amazing. It's half, half cop, the whole idea of it. Mm. Get, no, getting away it. from um, VAR for a minute, and I don't particularly want to bring this up, but I, I feel I've got to because it is a, a discussion piece. Um, whether you love Man United or you hate them, they've got some some supposedly good players. So it is staggering to me that they have gone 120 corners, is it? And they haven't scored from them. Set pieces. It might be might be corners. It might be just a set piece. What do you set make of pieces, that? I mean, I, I, it's, it's pathetic. I mean, 120 kicks and they still haven't scored a goal. Well, I, I think that shows that there's not enough diversity in, in your corner taking or your free kick taking, whatever you want, which way you want to do it. You know, when when, when uh, I'm coaching my teams to do, to do that, I have four or five different scenarios that we actually do. And I leave it to them to, to choose what they want to do. But there's a short, there's a short free kick. There's one where we go what quite deep, and then we put the, the cross in. To me, I think that uh, Manchester United literally just put it in, put it in the box. You know, to me, that that as a centre half, uh, and you know, unless you're somebody that leaks a lot of goals it, it, in set place, that to me is 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 something that I enjoy doing because that's my part of the game. So to me, I think that they need to change their their thought process, and whoever's actually coaching the set plays needs needs to change and needs to change sharp. Because um, I mean, Liverpool went through it when they were leaking goals from corners, left, right, and centre. And, and I said, for Christ, we can't even defend the bloody corner. How can we then start being one of the world's best teams? You know, and all of a sudden they they seem to start getting it sorted. And now I'm fairly confident that we could defend corners because and free kicks because I thought at times we couldn't defend for toffee. Mm. Well, Adrian, you're being a bit you're being a bit greedy because what you've got to remember as a United fan is that United have scored the two greatest set piece goals in the history of world football. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, ju- just just uh, refresh my memory what those two goals happen to be. I think they were in the European, the, European uh, Cup final in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Both taken by probably the best free yeah. taker or corner taker in the world. Like, so they were. Get, well, what you need to do? No, you get back. Get back. Bring yeah. David Beckham back. Hmm. You know, or or sign somebody from Southampton. Yeah, it's funny. Funny that it, it, I presume you're on about Ward Prowse because. You know, you think we've had two yeah. or three transfer winners, and yet nobody seems to try want to buy him. I can't understand that. You would have thought he, he somebody would have snapped him up by now. Well, he's he's played. Um, I think probably is it to half a dozen, probably four, four or five or six uh, internationals. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a proven uh, that, that he's absolutely exceptional on free kicks. And I think that when you've got that type of delivery, as, as David Beckham showed time and time again. You know, on the world stage, it, it's um, you know, it's it's a real asset. But not only that, I think that sometimes we sort of like looked at Grealish, and we've spoken about Grealish as as being his style of football, you know, and the way it adapts in international football. And I certainly think that uh, Ward Prowse has certainly got the uh, acrimony to um, to become 
an international player because uh, I think his his game suits you know a slower build up if you like and uh, his passing his his vast passing array is is exceptional right now. Mm. But going back to the FA Cup, Paul. Um, personally, yes, I thought the Nottingham Forest Leicester game was brilliant. Um, I thought Nottingham Forest oh, were absolutely out of this world. Um, yeah. No wonder they're talking about Brendan Rodgers getting the sack. I'm surprised because I thought Leicester were pathetic. I mean, they got a very well, fluky goal because the, the Forest keeper decided to go walkabouts. But, I mean, you know, all credit to yeah. the bloke for getting it in and you know, bending it in enough to get it into the net because it was difficult to do for where he was. But, but I thought overall Forest, I thought, were absolutely on fire. Couldn't agree more. What again? What an exciting game! And uh, you know, it, it really was right from the word go. Attack, attack, attack! And um, you know, Le- Leicester couldn't couldn't deal with it. Basically, um, it's as simple as that. They were put under pressure, and they just did not deal with the pressure. No. When you go, there's a chat always, always there is about um, you know when you go to these lesser grounds, you've got to win the fight before you can actually express yourself as a footballer. You know, they did not get going and there was no fight there to actually show, apart from a bit of pe- petulance, which is, is never going to go down well with, with the referees and whatnot. You know, they, they just weren't up for the fight and um, Nottingham Forest were absolutely sh- stupendous. And, and I think their tactics were absolutely bang on. Mm. Their manager, though, this Brian, is it Brian Cooper is his name or is it Steve Cooper? It's, Steve, um, Steve, Steve. Steve. It's, uh, Steve Cooper. Yeah. I mean, he, Cooper, he's, yeah. he's certainly got the magical touch, that's for sure. Even if he does look like he's uh, swallowed a wasp, you know, he looks he looks, <laughs> he looks really fed up with life, doesn't he, when he's there. But, but, I mean, my goodness, his team certainly display, you know, the sort of attacking verve that most people would love to see their team play as well, because I thought they were brilliant. Especially that fullback. Um, what was his name? Uh, oh, outstanding. The, the number three, I can't think of his name. But yeah, no, they were brilliant. I thought absolutely brilliant, and that was that was the performance of the of the round. I think. I mean, I know Boreham would did well, and we'll probably come on to that in a minute. But just the way, I mean, that Boreham Wood was a classic cut upset, if you like. But the, just the way Forest yeah. took Leicester apart was yeah. very impressive. <laughs> yeah, it very was. impressive. Yeah, you couldn't look at it. Yeah, I mean, his experience as well, because he's had international experience at youth level as well, hasn't he? And um, I think that he's um, certainly one of those managers that you could see. Because let's be fair, some of the older managers, you know, so I think they're probably past their sell-by date, some of them. And um, it's good to see some, like, fresh blood coming through. I don't know about you, but I'd like to see um, Steve Cooper in the Premiership. I, you know, I'd like to see, you know, quite, quite a few, actually, like, you know... Uh, really testing uh, and give them bigger jobs because, you know, just the normal ref, uh, normal managers going around taking all the big jobs, to me, it's just not, I just don't see it's viable, really, because I think, well, why should they just be, you know, a handful of man- top managers going around and getting all the top jobs when you've got people like Steve Cooper um, that have done a magnificent job, um, you know, the guy at uh, Brighton as well has done an amazing job with lack of funds, when all of a sudden give them the funds and see what they can do. Well, they have to coach what, those, at that level with those budgets and those squads. And it proves them to yeah. be... I mean, it's always the argument, isn't it, about Pep, whether or not he is this stellar coaching 
genius, but it's, it's difficult to judge when he's always, always coaching the best players. It would be interesting. I know it never happened, but it would be interesting to see how a manager with that sort of reputation would get on with a lower league squad and a more limited squad to see what they would, you know, just to actually see what their coaching methods would do for them. I think that'd be very interesting. And it was in Spence. Spence is the, the full-back. Spence, that's it. Spence, yeah. yeah good that's game. him, yeah. Oh, I mean, but he was also the man of the match in the Arsenal game as well. So yeah, I mean, he, he was. was. I'd be very, very surprised. Very, very surprised if he's still there next season. Mm. I, I mean, I think that he's outstanding. And, um, you know, as a lot of their players were, but I certainly think he's been a pick of the bunch out in, in both of those games against... Against Premiership opposition as well. I think it'd be also, interesting um, to see what. Um, sorry, Rick. It'd be interesting to see what um, Nottingham Forest do. Um, you know, can they put that sort of performance on next week in the league as well? That's what they've got to do. They've got to do it week in, week out. Um, I think they can. Probably not. But sometimes the cup seems to, um, you know, it lifts people, doesn't it, uh, mentally? So let's see what they do next week. Let's see. Also, another one that seems to have gone under the, the radar with the Forest thing was that struck me, as well, as well as Spence was playing, and the midfield with James Garner on it, yeah. just, a, just a, name, a name for the future. Uh, they, they, but the number nine, Davis, for a big lad, I thought he had an all-round centre-forwards display because his touch for a big fellow was amazing. And also, he was, he was giving the Leicester centre-backs a right old run around. Yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just maybe it's just one of those, one of those uh, cut runs. But they, if it ends in the next, who have they got in the next round? Does anyone know? Uh, oh, there'd be one to look out for. Yeah, but, I mean, they, they've dumped two decent sides out of the competition now. So yeah. whoever they've got, is it Luke? Well, they're, they're, there's one as well because I thought they were exceptional as well. Like, yeah. you know, and um, you know, I think that. Um, you know, he should take huge credit for what he, how he's gone back to Luton again, and um, you know, and really changed their style of play again, and got them back uh, on song. Yeah, but let's face it, we all know. Well, you and I know him, Paul, but Rick doesn't perhaps quite know him so well. But Nathan Jones is such a absolutely on the edge, um, and and you can see with the way he was he was celebrating after the game on Saturday. He is he is yeah. so inspired. He's so, you know, I've never known somebody quite as intense as he is when it comes to that. And and you know you can see yeah. it, and the team are they're responding to it. There's no question of that. And he's he's got a good oh, backroom staff. He's got big Mick Harper yeah. there and Paul Hart. They're both experienced people. Um, and you know yeah. you say he's gone back there. Yeah, he has. And what a what a difference he's made there again. Always oh, back. Always dangerous, and he's made a success of it this time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so the so, so the fifth round draw is Crystal Palace v Stoke. Peterborough have picked up a big tie against Manchester City. Uh, Middlesbrough get another Premier League side in Tottenham. Nottingham Forest have actually got Huddersfield, so I expect them mm. to go through in that game. Yeah, Luton Town have got a big plum tie. They've been picked at home against Chelsea. Norwich have got a bye. Which is nice. <laughs> Liverpool have picked the mighty Norwich ah, at home. On the way back. Everton are also. In fact, that's going to be very interesting because uh, they're both being played at the same time. Liverpool and Everton are both at home on the 2nd of March. 
at 7.45. Well, that's interesting, which, isn't it? The, 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 uh, the fifth round being played on a Wednesday rather than a Saturday. Cra- that's a bit crazy, that is. So I, yeah. I'm expecting one of those dates to be changed because I don't it's think the police will allow really. that one. No. And then Southampton have got West Ham. West Ham have dodged a bullet. Yeah, definitely. They did dodge a bullet. bullet. Unbelievable. And that, again, I can't, I can't express how gutted I was for Kidderminster because oh. not only did they allow um, a goal to be within a minute in injury time in the, in the actual uh, full time, they then let with the last kick of the game. Um, they didn't even get the penalties, to, did they? Oh, it was absolutely It's got to be heartbreaking for them because you get... Bit, it's like drip by drip, isn't it? You, first of all, you get the wind taken away from you. Then you get the opportunity yeah. of um, penalties taken away from you, both at the last minute. So they, yeah. oh, it's got to be a hell of, hell of a day for them. Yeah. And I just think that's that's what really summed the, the FA Cup for me. It just had the weekend had pretty much everything for me. Sending offs and, you know, handball decisions, doddy decisions. Like Not all of us getting over the line. Sorry? Some, some sending offs that should have happened didn't. Yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah, very, very true. Um, I can't think of them offhand, but there was a couple of them I thought very, very surprised. Actually, one of them was in the Liverpool game because I honestly thought... Was it really? You know, <laughs> one of the keeper, the keeper was yep. very, very lucky not to see a different colour there. I think the yeah. fact that he was um, there was a player behind him helped a little bit in the referee's decision. Um, but I do think that we got very lucky on that one. Not... As much as playing at Anfield affected the referee's decision. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> I'm just with the FA Cup now. The, the joy of the FA Cup this year is that now I'm just a neutral observer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got exactly. no vested interest in it anymore. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, yeah, girls, let's let's move on. African Nations Cup. Now, what does what does the fact that there were so few goals scored in it tell you? Does it tell you that that they all play defensively. Is it that they're just lousy players? What? Because I mean, there didn't seem to be many goals scored at all, was there? That's oh. just coaching again, isn't it? You're, they said on the, the commentary. I was watching the final last night, and they they were saying how it's the influence of European because a lot of the players are playing in Europe and the European coaching systems and whatever. They're just more drilled and they're just better defensively. Mm. So I don't you can knock it too much. It's just competition play, isn't it? Everybody's scared of losing. Well, they are, but oh, I mean, I've, you know, you just you, you, yeah. a big, big competition. You would just naturally expect to see a few more goals than we did. And you know, on on the few occasions that I tuned in to watch it, it was nil nil, and nothing much was happening. And I sort of, oh, I'll go and watch John Wayne or something. That's you know, but um, disappointing. But uh, um, interesting too to see your two mates, uh, Paul, um, commiserating uh-huh. with each other at the end of the game. Yeah, that was a nice touch, wasn't it? You know, just go, just jumping back quickly to the actual tournament. When you see the pace of the game that was played in the FA Cup, and then you saw the pace of the games that were played in the African Nations Cup, I think that certainly the the um, the pace of the games needs to be increased. Um, there's there's enough quality, I think, that uh, was being shown, but can they do it at a, a higher pace? Was the heat a factor of it? I don't know, um, but I felt that the games were quite slow. And almost had, had a, a bit like an Italian or a continental yeah. feel to it. Right? Yeah. So um, that, that that obviously means that build-ups are, are longer, um, and that means that less goals are scored. You know, that's exactly what's happens in 
you know, in the, in the continental leagues, it's not as many. And when you get a fast pace, there's more more uh, mistakes are made, and that's why that's why the actual like uh, Premiership is is the best uh, global product out there, like because they not only do it at pace, but they also you know do it at, at speed as well. Lie down. And, uh, Kate, Kate Verdi only lost to the winners, so uh, I'll take that as a win. Yeah. What's so special about Cape Verde then? It's the only place in Africa I've been. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, so I thought I'd support them. Fair enough. What were you doing over there then? Tarmacking? I took, took no, 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 there's no tarmacking. I, you know, I took the kids on holiday oh, a couple right. of years ago. Oh, in January. That was a bit rash of you, flashing out like that, taking the kids to Africa. Well, I haven't been since. No, that's true. That was it. They can take me next time. Yeah, yeah. Um, going back to the FA Cup, though, we, we, we haven't talked much about Boreham Wood. I mean, um, you know, looking at that Bournemouth side, which obviously we did because we saw them against Yeovil, um, they, looked, they looked, you know, for a... It was obviously a, a weakened... It was, it's a weakened side, but uh, they, yeah. they looked... Especially the bloke up front who scored the hat... Was it a hat-trick against Yeovil? It was, wasn't it? Or did he get two? I can't remember. But he, he certainly... He did well. But um, nonetheless, for Bournemouth to beat them at Bournemouth, I thought was an incredible uh, victory, really. It was a brilliant performance. But it was, like I mentioned earlier, it was a classic lower team, lower league team beating a higher team performance. And it was button down the hatches and get that one goal and hang on to it. But I mean, fair play to Bournemouth. Yeah. That's I amazing. Think, I think, amazing. I think the analysis of the... Um, uh, the the, the uh, Premier League players was was bang on. I think right from the word go, they decided to play their own game. But the high yeah. pressing that they actually did, um, was, what I thought was exceptional. And uh, and I think Bournemouth also they put their brand new keeper in there, and I think that he looked very disjointed. He wasn't sure uh, of what the pattern of play was, what he was supposed to be doing, and they exploited that. And uh, once they, they they could see that there was a um um a vulnerability there I think that they, they really did exploit it very very well and they uh, and I, I think that the, the way they pressed Bournemouth very very extremely high up the park was a you know a real lesson to, for most people to, to say well look that, that is definitely the way to go if you want to start winning games and yeah once they got there you know let's be fair Bournemouth again missed a lot of chances but as I say unless you put them in the back of the net they don't mean for nothing but it would have been, been similar to the uh, West Ham Kidderminster game, I think, had Bournemouth managed to equalise. Because I think Boreham would an extra thirty minutes would have would have told. I think the way they played, absolutely. Like you say, the absolutely. way they, they they probably didn't have another thirty minutes in the tank. Mm. Yeah, I probably agree with you actually. Like you know, but um, you know, the fact is they just you know, Bournemouth just didn't take their chances. No. And as much as they didn't perform in the first half, they performed in the second half. Made a lot of chances, but just didn't take them. And um, again, you've got to ride your luck. You know, this is, in, in, your, in, in my football career, I've had all types of scenarios. And um, I can remember going to Nuneaton Borough, who were top of the league, and I, I was at Trowbridge Town. And uh, Steve Rutter was manager, and I was assistant manager. And we went there with a with a really depleted squad, and they were absolutely flying high. You know, we we had the cheek to score a free kick after 22 minutes, and then. Literally, with 10 minutes to go, you, you go in, they ain't going to score. They are literally not going to score because, you know, we, they've thrown everything at us and uh, they just can't, can't, can't beat us. And um, that's exactly what happened. We won 1-0. Um, 
are an absolute, with a completely depleted squad. And uh, it just shows you what can happen if your tactics are right. Hmm. And if you and if you go for it, you've got to go yeah, for absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It's a one-off. And they, they, they went for it. I thought they played some, fan, uh, let's be fair, they played some, they're some really nice football. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I was saying to uh, a couple of friends of mine that I've been to Boromod a couple of times and um, they have an amazing setup up there. They've got an academy up there, which is second to none. You know, it would actually push some of the Premier sides, Premier League sides up there. The pit, the pitch on on that what they play on was I think is was really when we went out there a couple of times was really good, you know the stadium's quite nice and and they're really friendly and uh, well groomed uh, uh, team and that club is being run extremely professionally. I mean we talked about last week about you know how badly Man United run, and they could take a real step from like people like Boreham Wood who actually look <laughs> after their books really well. They 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 try to bring talent through. Uh, through the, through the uh, club, you know, and it's really exceptionally, and they should be applauded for what they're actually doing. And now they they've got their reward with it with a tie against the biggest club on Merseyside. So, congratulations to Bournemouth. <laughs> what? Oh, I love it. Keep so, going. Keep so, swimming. So, I love. I could go, go for hours. So yeah, so talking about the biggest club in Merseyside, how's Frank Lampard going to get on there? Do you reckon? Well, he's, he's made a good start, hasn't he? He's made a good start and he's made it interesting uh, on Merseyside because he won't step down. He'll, he'll face, uh, I think it's really interesting the fact we, you know, we've got Jurgen Klopp there, we've got uh, Steven Gerrard coming back, he's back in the, in the Premiership as a manager now. Lampard's there and all this up and coming young talent as we see is there. If we can get a bit more with Steve Cooper and other young managers in, in the Premiership, I think it's exciting and um you know, I think that he's uh, really going to liven up Merseyside, and uh, but he's, he's made a good start. I think he definitely needs to buy quite a lot of players in the, in the summer and have a have a good clean out, like most clubs. Um, but I do believe that they'll they'll back him financially, so they'll they'll spend probably yet another hundred hundred and fifty million in the summer. I should imagine. You'd have thought so. It'd be interesting though if um, Stevie G does succeed. Clock at Liverpool, like people are uh, suggesting. I mean, it's, it's the accepted knowledge that that's what's going to happen eventually. Be interesting if Frank can hang on at mm. Everton. Be good to see those two going head to head as managers. I hope it doesn't happen for a long time. Uh, there's two two things in my my thought process on that. Is one. I think Stevie G needs to, like Frank Lampard, I think Frank Lampard's been pushed far too quickly for my liking as a manager. Um, I'd like to have seen him stay at Derby a little bit longer. Um, but I, I, I'd like him to learn his trade properly and I'd like mm-hmm. him to be established. I don't want to see him coming in too early. And also, the other, other thing is, Jürgen, Jürgen Klopp's got something really fantastic going at the moment, as you did with, with Ferguson. And I don't want to see that end because I know that when it ends, that's going to be the end of an era and it's going to be a damn sight harder for our football club to succeed well, that's, because there's that's a building the process of, uh, going there. Well, it's a mark of a really true, truly great manager, isn't it? Anyone can go along and do it, say anyone. Ma- good managers can go along with the right resources and the right players and win a league once, but it's when you rebuild a team. I mean, Fergie had four different phases of United. If, if yeah. Klopp gets these, this lot coming through and gets a, a competitive 
team without Mane and Salah in it, and yeah. it's generation coming through. Then you know that's that that's a mark of a good of the best managers is is doing it repeatedly. Oh, I, 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 undoubtedly. I mean, Fergie had uh, I think three or four different number mm. twos. You know, yep. um, and that was you know, how he, you opened it up. Yeah, you could see he, because. The players were still getting a different voice on the chain, uh, on the training ground Absolutely. because although he was a constant, there were different coaches coming in. And uh, one of his former assistants came runner-up last night in the Afcon, didn't he, Carlos? Yes. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who you know showed his passion in the semi-final and got sent off, uh, <laughs> you know, for a rather exuberant referee again, <laughs> yeah, yeah. who loved thrashing a few cards about. You know, one, one thing I'd like to see. Uh, I don't think it will happen. But I think that the if that if what you say is right, you know, and Stevie G will become eventually Liverpool manager, I would really love him before he does that to become number two there under Klopp, so that he can understand the processes of what Klopp's actually been achieving and how dynamic it is, so that he can learn and maybe utilise some of that experience when he becomes a manager, if he becomes a manager of Liverpool. I, I I'd be no more happy for him to have you know, sort of four or five more years as, as manager in, in the Premiership, doing really well, hopefully at Aston Villa. So I don't want to see him change too much because then it shows he's not, uh, maybe not up to it. But, you know, uh, if he does do really, really well at Villa, which I do hope he does, um, I'd like him to then become number two, then to take on on the, um, the manager of, of Liverpool. Just hope, fingers crossed, that he turns out to be another Graham Sooners, wins everything north of the border and then just can't repeat it because I, I remember back in the what was it the mid-90s when Sooners took over at Liverpool I was petrified with that because he had so much success up at Rangers and then yeah. took over the Liverpool job and thankfully it didn't quite work for him no his style of management was um, not something I don't think was which was conducive uh, to uh, Liverpool, which which I thought was quite surprising, because you know he he, he sort of like rules a little bit with the, an iron fist, and I don't think that's really um, the Liverpool way. Now I'm sure Jurgen Klopp uh, does exactly the same, but he just does it in a more charismatic way, you know, and he shows his strength by by just making decisions and uh, discussing it with a player. Well, I think Sooners just made the decision and like it or lump it, and I don't think that was conducive to, to the Liverpool way, personally. But that's only my opinion, actually. You know. Yeah, there has to be a reason why it, why it didn't work. Yeah. Because he had, he had been successful. He'd been successful yeah. up the Rangers. Yeah. So he was, Very you know, he was no mug. And he, and he was successful in Turkey as well, like, really successful. And, um, you know, in Europe there, he had the European naughty games. in Turkey as well, wasn't it? Sorry? But he was a bit naughty in Turkey as well, planting the flag oh, in it's the, one, the it's circle. It's if, 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 if actually uh, anybody who's listening has not seen it, go and watch uh, a Graham How Sooners. How in one piece. Yeah, uh, you know, in, in a local derby, goes and gets uh, the flag, massive yeah. big flag, and then plants it right in the centre circle, which caused riots. And how um, we say, how we got our live, I don't know. But then, amazingly, there's a, 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 a very famous supporter now who's a, a bit of a drunkard, a bit of a character, who actually did the same on the return one at uh, at Galatasaray's uh, yeah film and uh, something that uh, 
uh, whether you don't think you'll really ever see again. But uh, what Graham Souness did there was um, <laughs> not only inside a riot, but was uh, extremely entertaining for uh, people to watch. Slightly provocative. <laughs> extremely. Basically, we're, we're staying um, at the same hotel as we were when we went over to Holland one, one year um, when Gary Johnson was there. And i tell you what, some of them, they were poor. They didn't, you wouldn't want to cross them. They really look, some of them look real uh, <laughs> dodgy, shall we say. So I think Mr. Soonis is extremely lucky to have got away with that on, on the quiet, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, mm. definitely. Um, just going, uh, going back to the United a minute, um, I don't know if you noticed it, but Overmars apparently has had to quit because he's been sending dirty text messages to some of the staff at uh, Ajax. But they're saying now that it looks as it's going to go. It's going to give um, uh, the guy, the manager that United are after, and I can't remember his name, but I'm sure Den somebody will tell me. Um, what's his name? Ten Hag. Who? Den Hag. Den Hag. Eric Ten Hag. Ah, right. Uh, apparently, there are now sort of suspicions that he's going to leave as well, which would be good from a United's perspective because if we've got the choice of them and Mauricio. You know, you've got the two best because obviously Brendan Rodgers is out of the running now. I would have thought after that uh, cup defeat, he'll be available. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> he might yeah. well be available. Yeah, but um, so moving on, Jack Grealish, um, hundred million pound for Jack Grealish, and I won't, I won't lie, I would have liked United to buy him at the time. I thought, yeah, he'd be a good player to have on the side, but he's been a bit of a damp squib, hasn't he? For a hundred million, wait till next season. I say, yeah, I, I really don't, don't play anything into it. He's, he's no. learning the Man City way. He's learning yeah. his training. He's gone to a football club where he's not the best player there, and um, that's a change. It might take, it, 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 yeah, it, the culture that he's got to do. It, it might even take two seasons, but let let me tell you, once he's found it. He will. Uh, he will. He's a. He's a fantastic footballer, and uh, he's just having to learn it a different way. Because, yeah. you know, when you're the kingpin and they give you the ball and you have to run all the time, and his energy, he had to find another 10, 15 percent energy for for Villa, which he did. You know, because he was a Villa fan, a Villa lad. You know, he's. This is a different culture for him completely, and um, yeah, don't. Like, you can write this season off and probably half the next season, and it doesn't. It doesn't worry me. I expect it doesn't worry Pep Guardiola either. Mm. And another manager who I've got quite a bit of respect for is is the Brentford manager. Although his team, uh, I think, look a little bit as though they're they're beginning to suffer a little bit. They're, I know he he was quoted as saying on the TV that oh, there's plenty of time yet. It's, but you know they they haven't won a game for quite a while now, have they, Brentford? Yeah. Their next fixture, they're going to have a little bit of a boost, aren't they? Mr. Ericsson making his debut. I mean, that's that's going to uh, well, that lift them a little. So, uh, no, I, I just think it's a it's a mid-season thing. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about about them. Yeah, too much. There's certainly there's at least three worst teams in the Premier League. I'm, so I'm surprised though that they haven't. Or some defenders because when you've got uh, an issue with, with letting goals I think that it's not panicking but you have to look at the defensive side of your team and uh, whether you buy a, a def defensive midfielder or, or somebody to sit or protect your back line or 
whether you need, you know, you see um, something happening down the right-hand flank or the left-hand flank or straight down the middle. You know, I think I'm, I'm very surprised that when, when there's that type of money to stay in the Premiership and the Championship is so hard to get out of, you know, I don't think that it's time where um, you need to be shy of spending in the January transfer window to get yourself out out crapper. And I'm surprised they haven't boosted their squad a little bit. Definitely, mm. they have they have um, a line of succession, don't they? Because when they sold Ollie Watkins, they had Tony lined up, and they presumably mm. have a similar sort of situation. They're very very well run as a, as a football club. Yeah, amazingly well run. And to be be fair, Tony but, looks good, doesn't he? He looks good. He looks yeah. hungry. He's you know, he, he, he's not shy of having a shot. He, he gets in the right positions. And, um, yeah, he's certainly one for the future, for sure. Yeah. And that they, no doubt they've obviously planned for when he does get snapped up by one of the one of the bigger clubs, probably. You find out mm. that Brent has their eye on someone else because that's the way they're run. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. go Let's go north of the border for a minute. Um, Stevie G's done, done a runner. And uh, they've got this uh, Van Bronckhurst there. And this um, Australian guy at uh, at Celtic, what's going to happen there? Because they, they seem to be not much between the two ty- uh, teams this this season. Whereas there was last season, there was quite a big gap, wasn't there? It's momentum, isn't it? They Rangers had all the momentum with them, and Celtic had all the the pressure on them about trying to get those ten titles in a row. But it's very very level at the moment, so. Mm. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it develops now. What do you think? I, I, I tr- well, I truly believe that um, the standard of the Scottish League has come down quite a lot, um, in my opinion. And I think that you know this this Australian, he's, he's come in and he's I, I think he's doing a really really good job. Um, and Broncos, I'm not sure you know about his managerial experience. You know, it's uh, I, I think he's still unproven. Um, he's got an opportunity then to, to do it. To do it at uh, Rangers, They're, they they again to me. I, I think that he should have bought in in the January transfer window quite substantially uh, to really kick uh, to that next level. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how. You know, yeah, it's it's going to be tight this year. It's going to be interesting. But I do believe that the the level needs to be picked up a little bit. So where did you go on Saturday then, Paul? Where did I go? Hmm. Where do you mean? Well, what what football match did you see on? As if, as if I don't know. Oh, what, uh, I was at uh, I was at Yeovil. Ah, we got there in the remember. end. Go. All oh, right. So I, I thought there was a trick question here. I was trying yeah. to be somewhere else. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No. What did you, What did you make of it? Um. It, well, it, I just think we just we, we seem to 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 lack lack something in actual to finish the game off but we made a, a team that sort of really on form and been whacking the goals in I thought we made them look fairly ordinary and I thought that if we'd have had that little bit of something extra um, there's no, no two ways about it Wakeford had his chance to go through and score I think he should have scored um, I think he's confident enough to have done that he just didn't quite catch it right but um I thought our defence were magnificent. I thought the keeper played really, really well. I just think that we just lacked that little bit of killing edge and that, that thrust that we needed to win the game. Because I, I thought they were there for the picking. But we made them we made them look really, really average. You know, 
and I think we marshaled their strikers really, really well. They did have one chance and went around the keeper and put it in the side net and they fluffed it. Um, but overall, I thought we were, if it was a boxing match, we'd have won it on points. Um, it's a, it's a just... must-win must game for them uh, on Tuesday night. This is going out Wednesday, so... Mm. Yeah. What a win that was against Wilston. Because otherwise, if, if Yeovil yeah. don't win that one, there's a danger of getting cut adrift from that group that are challenging for playoff places. Yeah. Of the, the relic. Yeah, I, I know that um, you, you had a, a little uh, cheeky little dig at me about questioning the manager, uh, you know, on, on Saturday. But I was very surprised at the way he tried to play Wakefield and the way the distribution of the ball going into Wakefield because it was all up in the air. Um, yeah. And they were, I, I, I think they were trying to get them in behind, but weren't weren't actually like getting the ball in behind the defence. Yeah. There has to be that face for him to yeah, go on to. I was calling at half-time for, for them to because they had two big men and I, I think that they needed to change it to like uh, Wakefield working off the big man, which eventually they did. And I thought the dynamics of that completely changed the game and that's why I felt that we became stronger. Um, playing uh, Knowles in a number 10 role, uh, I felt helped. And um, so I'm not, I wasn't questioning them. I just felt that, you know, I felt that I would have, I'd have done that a lot sooner. It probably done yeah. it from the from the start, because I felt that we had two people on the bench that could have really helped that situate situation. Because you know, just pumping this ball straight down the middle to Charlie Wakefield with two very very strong aerial defenders, I felt was the wrong tactics and yeah, um, playing, playing you know, straight to them. Really. Yeah, to their strengths, and and once we eventually changed it, which I felt you know was far too late. Yeah. Um, and again, that's only my opinion, you know. And uh, I, I fully support Darren. I think he's, he's done a fantastic job at this football club, and I really do want him to stay at this football club. Um, but I, I just you know that's the very very first time I've gone. I wouldn't have done that. Don't understand why he's done that. You know. But once we actually got there and got Wakefield, you know, playing a little bit wider, and then. We got some crosses in. I thought we we were really like pushing towards the end for 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 the win, and that was the dynamics that I wanted a lot earlier. And uh, yeah, but the certainly thing is, what he, he he did. Sorry, just jumping again. Oh, yeah. So certainly what he actually said at half time definitely made a difference. Yeah, and I think that his half time team talks this year have made quite a difference in the way we we are playing games in the second half. Yeah, well, it's like I said before, though this this game on on Tuesday is is massive, really, because to get back on the get back on the uh, promotion sort of charge, it needs a win to kickstart it. Because yeah, a couple of draws, you know, just recently, and and really need those three points to get back in amongst it and not get cut. Yeah, yeah it, it, it does. does. You know, it's, I agree with you. It's a massive, massive game, and. Uh, you know, it's, it, like I say, it, to me, it's, if you want to like push on and get in the playoffs, it's, it, like I say, it's a must win. I was talking to a, a, a very, very uh, staunch Yeovil supporter uh, today, funnily enough, and um, one's got to be careful how one words this, but he is getting to the point where he's beginning to doubt that the negotiations to sell the club will ever come to any fruition because, you know, you, you do have to ask the question... Why is it taking so long? I mean, you know, you could have bought Barcelona in the time you're going to end up buying the Oval Tower. Uh -huh. And it must be 
a source of concern for the manager, I would have thought, having this going on all the time. It's, you know, it's indecision, isn't it? He needs yeah. to know what he's doing. Exactly, because yeah. you've got all the contracts are going to be coming up for renewal yeah. fairly shortly, um, and that's yeah. going to dictate what, what sort of a season we have next season. Um, and it, it just, you know, it, I, I fail to understand why it should take so long. You know, it, it is, well, is somebody playing hardball or what? What's going on? There's obviously a lot to sort out. It's probably a lot to do with the covenants, you know, and uh, what he's actually wanting for the club. I think is a is a big factor in in that as well. I do fear for Yeovil Town, uh, and again, I'll probably explain my, my my reasons why. Is that you're dead right? You know, with, with contractual stuff coming up, um, agents being involved, looking to to look after their players. You know, they, they either need to start signing people on contracts. Uh, you've got people on loans as well. That's all mm -hmm. got to be sorted out. Um, the financial side of the football club needs to be looked after because it's only going downhill at the moment. Um, I don't think it was a great uh, phrase that he used by, by, by blaming the supporters not turning up. I don't think that's any way of getting the supporters back through the gates. Um I, I, and I do fear that that that, that um, if the manager doesn't see any improvement in in the way the club is being run, then he has every right to say why the hell should he put all his effort into it? You know, and I'll, I'll say it again, you know, and I'll say it to him blue in the face. He is doing a magnificent job at this football club on very limited resources, with a with a limited squad, with injuries, um, with the odd suspension coming up. You know, he's putting a side together. And you know, it's competing with the likes of Solio are really being on fire, and um, you know, and uh, he's showing that we are still a force to be reckoned with at the moment. Now, if you start trying to rebuild uh, teams every single year, we cannot sustain that, and the future for me doesn't look bright for Yeovil Town Football Club, and that 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 upsets me, and and worries me for the short term future. So I do believe that the, the, the sale needs to go ahead and it needs to go ahead very sharpish. And uh, if he is listening in, um, which I hope he is, um, I, there are there is a, there's a consortium out there with a very, very fine bloke there that, that, that would look after this football club. And I think this football club needs to be looked after, not only just for the fans, but for the community. It's a community football club and we need to get back that way and um, if he wants to sell, please sell and do it quickly, as far mm. as I'm concerned. Yeah, because, I mean, we've got the makings of a good squad there. In another year, um, you know, keep them together. Um, I, I think, yeah. you know, you, you could have a, a promotion-winning side there. You know, I, said it, I said it on Saturday. I said it on Saturday. I think we've got a fantastic squad there. You know, the manager needs to be reassured that he can keep that squad together and add to it. Mm. Whereas the thing is, is, is over the last few weeks, it always seems like there's everyone that's fit and available in the squad is in the match day squad. There's never any surplus. So Darren's not really making selection decisions, as it were. He, he's sort of like deciding on the best system with what he's got available because yeah. he never has everyone available to actually make a, a selection decision with. So yeah. it is, as you say, Thorpe, it's remarkable what he's done with that. It is. I mean, last year or, or even uh, yeah, last year, um, it, it, he'd have probably lost that game three or four nil yeah. against Solio. 
you know, because the, you know, although we had that experience in the, in the team, we weren't just gelling together. It wasn't happening, and we just didn't have any backup. That you know, and but he, he, all of a sudden he's picked out some players. Um, you know, we got Barnett that's, that's sort of injured at the moment. Like, I hope he comes back because his energy is phenomenal. And he's, yeah. you know, we, we've lost quickly. People are all of a sudden looking at our players and wanting them. You know, yeah. that's because that's because he's done so much work on the training ground with his players that they know what they're doing out there. There is a structure there. It doesn't always work. <coughs> I understand that. I understand some of the fans' frustrations. But, you know, he is, he is tirelessly and, in, and Skivo... And I've spoken to them about it. They tirelessly work on that training ground. And you look know, at, and look at the defence we've got. Look uh, at the defence oh, that we've built up. Outstanding. And, and we had that Dan Moss, well, he's just gone back now yeah. from loan. Now they've got this Barkley, who seems to be equally good, um, with Luke Wilkinson, Josh Thornton, um, Max, yeah. uh, is it Mark, Mark Little, isn't it? Um, you know, they've got a really strong defence there. It just needs... Maybe another striker, and and who knows what could uh, develop really from it. But um, yeah, we are running out of time, unfortunately, lads. So uh, I think it's probably an opportune moment to say to everybody for listening, thank you. Um, unfortunately, we won't be able to have any uh, live match commentary tomorrow uh, against Wealdstone, uh, but you'll have discovered that because it'll be Wednesday when you're listening to this. But unfortunately, we haven't got any staff that can take time off to go and do the commentary. So that's the end of that one. But we will have a full match commentary from Eastleigh, I think it is, on, on Saturday. So Yeah, Eastleigh on Saturday. Yeah. So thank you, every, everybody, for listening. I hope we've entertained you. Um, hopefully, Rick and I will be happier next week. And Manchester United will be back on stream again tomorrow night against Burnley. And uh, yeah, we will we will have to see what comes. But from our point of view, for Yeovil, Yeovil are coming on, and we've got to get behind the team. And let's hope that Darren Sahl can do it and get us up into those playoff spots. So until next week, everybody. Thank you, Thorpey. Thank you, Rick. Uh, and we'll see Pleasure. you again next Pleasure. week, same time, same station.